Hey there, folks, and welcome to Bread and Poetry, a podcast about poetry and bread for everyone. I'm your host, Dina Antigua, Poet Laureate of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Poet Laureate of your hearts. On this podcast, we talk to the people in our community, the poets and the non-poets alike, about poetry and what it means to them. In the words of Roque Dalton, I believe the world is beautiful and that poetry, like bread, is for everyone. With me today are two very special poet friends, Jess Rizgala and John Francis Quinones. I will read each of their bios. Jess Rizgala is a Lebanese-American writer and illustrator. Her book, The Magic My Body Becomes, was a finalist for the Believer Poetry Award and won the Atel Adnan Poetry Prize as awarded by the Radius of Arab American Writers and the University of Arkansas Press. She is a 2022 Mass Cultural Council Artist Fellow. John Francis Quinones, or Q, they, them, is a desert flower and current resident of Providence, Rhode Island, a queer writer and multimedia artist, maker of ice creams and tamales, house manager of the Columbus Theater, current resident of the Queer Archive Work Project, and has a forthcoming collection of poems with Right Bloody Publishing um, out in 2022 entitled Keep Your Little Lights Alive, Poems After Kate Bush's Hounds of Love and Others. You can find their work in Pigeon Pages, Hours Poetica, Voicemail Poems, Slam Find, Counterlock, Maps for Teeth, Drunk in a Midnight Choir, and as part of a playing card deck with Game Over Books. Welcome, Jess and John Francis. Hello, Hello. y'all. Oh my God. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. This has been an afternoon. We have tried to set up some tech stuff for like the past hour, and now we're finally recording, and I am so happy to be done with that, even though we didn't solve the problem, but we're going with it, and... We're doing what we can. And I'm just so happy to have both of you here with me. I'm so excited to be here. You did such a great job. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Um, So let's break bread. Uh, How do you connect with your local communities and what roles do you play in your local communities? Q, I'll ask you first. Whoa. Um, Yeah, I have a strange and whimsical little life in Providence these days. Uh, I'm the house manager of the Columbus Cedar, so a lot of like holding space within events, music and comedy mostly. Um, I make ice cream as one half of the kitchen at Big Feeling. Um, I make tamales once a week for a bar called Glue. And then I do some office management for this tattooed art collective called Angels. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you're doing, you're doing a lot of things in the community yeah. and wow. Okay. What is your favorite flavor of ice cream to make? Um, I'm really partial to like just a really shreddy vanilla with chunks of stuff in it or fruit or like a seasonal fruit. So like vanilla plus strawberry, vanilla plus insert chunk. What's the weirdest chunk you ever inserted? (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to go on the record. Um, personal, we made sorry. a really delicious like coffee crumble one time. Ooh. Yeah, I like that. That's that sounds good. so good. That yeah. sounds so good. Uh, Jess, same question. How do you connect with your local community? And I guess what role do you play? 
Um, I think before COVID, I was definitely more connected and more through like poetry and art. Um, but it definitely made me slow down. And now I feel like I connect more as like a member of my neighborhood, like oh, the I part like of that. Boston I live in. Yeah. I live in a really cute, like a really cute part of Boston, but this is the first neighborhood I've lived in where it feels like people like really try harder to connect with each other. And like, even like talking to each other when we pass each other on the street, like it's, it's a very, it's hard not to want to be like a good involved neighbor. Um, and definitely like my roommates that I've been living with, um, always like have kind of gotten me in the habit of wondering like, Oh, how can I like give back? Like one of my roommates, like is always cooking and like mm. sharing their food, like with neighbors and with friends and stuff. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think that's how I've been connected. Like, how can I just like be a part of the community uh, or even just like my neighborhood? I do um, stuff with the Radius of Arab American Writers. Um, I'm on the board. We're really excited about all of the things that we're like working on um, and trying to like the offerings that we've never been able to do before. And mm -hmm. I think that like we got a crash course in uh like because of the pandemic, like having to do things virtually. So now we're like, oh, there's like so many more things that we didn't even realize that we could do. And so I'm still trying to figure out uh, like if there's a way that I could be like, I don't know, my artist self in like mm -hmm. my more immediate communities. But I don't know, it doesn't feel like urgent. I feel like it's just a shift that I'm figuring out. Yeah, and I think part of being an artist is interacting with your community and just living your life and, you know, gleaning from that. And hopefully that shows up in your art and in, in some capacity. So, you know, you're an artist regardless of whether you're, you know, practicing your art or making the art or not. I love the fact that, you know, your neighbors are so neighborly. Uh, mm -hmm. That's kind of hard to come by sometimes. Uh, and especially like, Listeners, you do not know this, but Jess and I go way back. Yeah. Uh, we studied at <laughs> NYU together and got our MFA there. And, you know, we lived in New York and that was not as neighborly. Um, I don't know about where you lived, but I, it's not like I was, you know, sharing my food with my neighbors or really interacting with them uh, on that type of level. So I'm sure it feels refreshing to be able to interact in that way. Yeah. All right, Q, I have a question for you. Tell us a little bit about the book tour that you've been going on right now and your book, Keep Your Little Lights Alive. Wow. Um, where has the book taken you? Like, what, <laughs> Where's the coolest place that Keep Your Little Lights Alive has taken um, you? I just came down from Deer Isle, Maine today. And that was so, I mean, my my ambitions for this like book as like a tangible object are like, pretty small and that I just really wanted to be a, a ticket to get me to like just spend time with people and rooms out and about. I've been like pretty isolated over the last several years and so like it just means a lot to me to like be able to like be in a community I haven't like spent a lot of time in and like see where the people go and get a coffee and like 
share poems with people. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has been really healthy in so many ways and also like really impactful because since um, moving out to the Northeast, I just haven't had that much autonomy over moving through space. So like being able to like borrow a car and jaunt about in autumn has been like really, really beautiful and really rejuvenating um, in a way I feel I have felt like a little removed from. Mm. So that's been like really impactful for my spirit. Mm. And I'm so easy to please because of it. Yeah. 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 I, I'm sure like the ride up north, like the it's, it's really good leaf peeping season. That's what they call it. Leaf, leaf totally. peeping. Mm-hmm. I've, yet, I've yet to get comfortable with that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like, mm, yeah, I don't yeah, know. It doesn't sit on the tongue well. <laughs> But I love that y'all keep saying it. Are you a leaf peeper? Are you? <laughs> but are shy. you? Yeah. <laughs> Don't be shy, you freak. <laughs> uh, Jess, you just got back from some traveling. You went to Lebanon for a bit. Mm-hmm. How was that experience? And tell us a little bit about the bread. I'm interested in the bread. Ooh. Um, it was really special. Um And I had some guilt around going because Lebanon has perpetually been going through it, but especially the last few years, like there was the revolution in 2019 Mm -hmm. um, and then the pandemic came and then the explosion at the port and just like terrible government, the economic collapse. Um, People are like really struggling Mm -hmm. Um, like right now. There are people who, like, the banks are not giving them their money, so they are, like, holding up the banks to get their own money so that they can pay for, like, medical procedures and stuff. Um, And there's also, like, people trying to, like, leave on boats and, like, tragically, that, that goes tragically. And then there's, like... A couple of different like refugee crises happening and it's it's I don't know I felt really kind of guilty going but um this got super serious real quick that's, I'm sorry that's perfect for this um, podcast <laughs> yeah but I don't know I was talking to my friend um Lena who um she's Palestinian and Egyptian and like you know like we're from different places but the feeling has always been the same since we were kids like you know like, we should visit our countries, like, while we still, you know, the worst case scenario, like, while we still can. But I also believe that our people have a lot of resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so I I went with my dad, um, and it was really special. Um, and I actually was reading, re-reading, because um, I don't know if you remember, because when we were in grad school, I was also obsessed with Atel Adnan and mm-hmm. like she has a book called in the heart of a heart of another country um and I'm like obsessed with it like it just changed the way that I write because it it felt I don't know it felt so familiar like it just like gave me permission to just like keep talking she writes very much like water which is fitting because she's a Pisces it's very strange to be reading that book which she wrote from like it spans like her childhood um, up until like the 60s, 70s, 80s. And then like she comes back like 25 years, like after the Civil War. And it, it was just very strange and surreal to be reading it and 
Beirut in like 2022 when so many of the things she was like writing about were still happening. We went to like the top of Mount Sanin and like she has this line where she's like, or this part where she's talking about how like people run away from Beirut to like breathe the air of Sanin because it's so like crisp and clean and pure, but then you run away back to Beirut because you miss it. Um, and that was, that was like such a eerie thing. And then the October rains, um, she writes about that. And then that was the first time that I had ever seen rain in Lebanon. Cause usually like my family goes in the summer. Um, it was my first time going in the fall. There was so much happening almost like synchronistically rest in peace. She passed away right. almost a year ago. I'm sure she's doing something much cooler than hanging out around here on this plane of existence, but I like to believe uh, that she was like, I don't know, pulling some strings or something. I don't know, even just in the form of like slipping, you know, making sure I slip that book in my bag. Um, mm. But it was really special for that reason, among other ones. Um, and bread is like a huge, um, I got finally got to the bread. That's okay. <laughs> we, we'll get to the bread when we get to the bread. That's fine. Maybe it's across all ethnic experiences, but when you go to the homeland, like you have to bring stuff back for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so like my mom was like, you need to bring back a suitcase full of bread. And my dad was like, that is going to be so hard. She's like, I don't care. Jesse will do it. Will you do it for me? And then my dad was like, <laughs> okay, fine, we'll do it. And so he got <laughs> like 50 bags of bread and it's like, it's called Khibs Maru. So it's like, and some people, sometimes it's called Saj, but like, it's like the thin, um, it's crispy and soft at this. It's so good. Um, but yeah, like we had to like order at the beginning of the trip so that, cause it was a big order. My dad's family members also kept like giving us things to bring back. Right. So it became like this crazy game of like Tetris of trying to like fit things in the bags. And then also like hoping that like TSA doesn't like search the bags and take things away the bread there is like a huge part of the experience um because like you know how like the typical like breakfast here is like bagels or like cereal or whatever but like over there it's naish which is like this like uh me and dinelli share a friend named lexi Hi, Lexi. Um, yeah. Hi, Lexi. <laughs> um, so maybe you and Lexi have had um, Naish together, like Zathod and like with the... Yeah, I don't think so, but oh my God, now got, we have got, to. Yeah, we yeah. We have to. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, that's like the breakfast that everyone has there, like just the the fresh like flat bread um, and then like with the Zathod or like with cheese or with like um, that like Lahem, so like the meat um and then you just like see like everyone like across like whatever job they have that morning or whatever, whatever they're doing like hunched over like eating this like folded up piece of bread um and it was a very special moment me and my cousin were like eating that and then we were like at like a red light and there was like a guy in a construction vehicle who was just like eating the same thing and then there was a <laughs> child on the sidewalk um yeah universal yeah. Universal. I love that. Great equal. It's like, it's like the similar, like you see people with Dunkin' Donuts cups everywhere here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like you, you that's know, ex just, that's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I will say about Naish too, is like, it's not authentic unless like somebody's aunt or like, like some uncle or just somebody with just like, just like soft 
big hands, hairy knuckles, wraps it up in paper and hands it to you. And the paper is a little greasy. And then they give you like a nice like Pepsi with it. Uh. Like you got to go to a place <laughs> like that. It can't yeah. be bougie. Oh, that sounds so good. So thinking about bread, Q, mm. what is your favorite kind of bread? Oh, I've I've had a really uh, hard time thinking about this, oddly enough. <laughs> um, more so... I think I think it's mostly just a manifestation of bread, which is uh, I have been spending a lot of time over the last couple of years, like reconnecting with cooking, mm-hmm. um, and coming from a place of just being like pretty uh, homesick for, not like necessarily wanting to return to Arizona, but missing the like associative comforts of familial space. Um, so I spent a lot of time learning to like perfect and like reign in like a familial recipe of tortillas um, and tamales. Um, But going beyond like kind of things that we have been working with, but trying to make them things that my grandparents were actually nostalgic for because neither of them are like my, my um, grandmother in particular is such like a provider. Like she's so concerned with everyone being well-fed. Um, but she very openly has never really enjoyed cooking and like oh, wow. has um, spent, has spent a lot of our like story sharing space talking about like how her mother used to cook and like what that used to look like. And so I've been trying to like start start in the in the places that she gave me or that I was able to get like through my aunt um but push beyond that into trying to like uh uh achieve something that feels nostalgic for both of us for when we're able to share like physical space again mm-hmm. which is hopefully soon you know yeah, yeah absolutely tell us like a beautiful powerful or even challenging memory that includes bread um for me it's I, I'm less grounded in a specific memory and more of a practice, which is uh, my uh, grandmother, Maria Luisa, um, mm. uh, consistently burns her tortillas <laughs> <laughs> in a way that, like, for a long time, um, and, and for context, too, um, she she has Alzheimer's. Um, and as of this year, like, has switched into... Um, long-term care but she's always been kind of like a like head in the clouds person and so there's a a feeling that for a long time that was just like something that she did on accident and then as more and more time passed like she really like kind of took control of it and she's like no I like it this way (laughs) (laughs) uh and so it's definitely like if I'm like preparing food for you particularly like with tortillas it's a thing I kind of go out of my way to do is like to toss them directly onto the flame um and it makes like that beautiful little secondary star in the design. And also it rules. It has that like, (laughs) it has that similar texture that you were describing where it's like the softness is still there, but it still has that like crisp and Mm -hmm. that char. I think it's more of the, the like, the act of doing it that makes me feel close to that relationship more than it is like a specific memory. Cause it's, Mm-hmm. So many memories. Right, <laughs> it's like right. every single breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so that's so beautiful. And like connecting, you know, you know, making that with your grandmother and being able to have like a relationship with her through through that, through bread, mm-hmm. through food, through tortillas. And I think that's just 
beautiful yeah. AF. <laughs> hey, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jess, so what's your favorite kind of bread? Maybe you already mentioned it, uh, but. Hmm. Um, I like, this is such a silly answer, but I love all bread. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect So answer. I'll tell you like the bread that lately I've been reminiscing on. There's a bakery in Brooklyn called Saragina Saragina Bakery um and they have the best focaccia mm. <laughs> I've ever had in my life <laughs> um and so currently that is my probably my favorite bread <laughs> what what about a beautiful powerful or challenging memory that includes bread though again I feel like we talked about that when you talked about Lebanon but mm -hmm. I mean, the more bread talk, the better. We're here for it. Something I think is really special uh, is that my mom's brothers, um, like my mom's side of the family came to the U.S. in the 80s. Um, and so when my uncles were old enough to work, um, along with my grandpa, they got into the pizza business um, and then eventually opened their own pizza place. And there's this kind of bread, um, a Lebanese bread called gak. And it's like, it's like characterized by, it's like soft and there's like a, the way it's shaped is there's like a hole in the side. I don't know how to, if you're a list, just Google cock, K-A-A-K. Um, and it's like covered in sesame. Um, but my uncles like put sesame on the crust of their pizzas. But that's something everybody did. But then I actually have never seen any other pizza place do it. And then... I forget like when, but my uncle, like we were talking about it and I like realized like, oh, it's because of the gak. My mom's dad, when he was alive, like every Sunday, he would go in early and like make a bunch of gak and like, just like for the whole family. And we would all go to my grandma's house and just like eat it together and bring some home. I I love talking about bread. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why I started a podcast about bread. Um, but I also love talking about poetry. So I'm curious about y'all's origin story when it comes to to poetry. Uh, Q, if you want to go first, what brought you to poetry? Whoa. Um, I feel like it was an art form I was drawn to pretty young. But honestly, it hasn't been a part of my creative practice until like the last five years or so. So much of my um, experience with poetry has been that of, like, an organizer. Um, when I was 19, I took over running this venue space uh, in Flagstaff, Arizona. Um, and one of the first events that I felt very sentimental about bringing into the space was our local slam chapter. And through that, um, it became, like, kind of, like the grounding event that I, that I based everything from that point on, like how I wanted to like hold space within that physical space and also how I wanted to engage with the community. So it was a weekly event. Um, and although I didn't hardly ever read save like once a year because I was asking everyone else to do it. So I would do it begrudgingly at least once every once in a while. Um, like, it, it became the avenue that, like, I fully have all of the community that I have now. 
Um, it was just like within the art of like holding that space rather than contributing, uh, contributing to it with the art form, mm. if, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I like emceed every week. I did a lot of programming. I did a lot mm. of work to like make sure that other events in the community were all doing stuff together and like sending people to like attend other events um, and um, sending people towards doing like some of the national programming that SLAM had to offer and sending people to volunteer and like be a part of it at every single level. So to me, it was more about that shared space more than I was. There wasn't like, there was never really a chapter where I was like quietly writing poems on the side or anything. Like I didn't feel like I was keeping it from myself. It just wasn't the art form in which I was speaking through. Mm. Um, And I think that changed a lot. Um, when I moved from Arizona to the Northeast, because um, before that I was painting a lot more and like was fully doing the programming of a venue space. And so it just became the art form that traveled with me um, best and also most with the most amount of play at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the idea. Like it's was the art form that you traveled best with kind of like mm-hmm. when one plays like a guitar um <laughs> kind of just like bring it with you everywhere and I love that you've brought that with you here and on your tour with your book <laughs> um Jess how about how about you and your origin story with poetry um I used to as a kid like journal a lot um and sometimes I would write little stories and sometimes I would do poems um but it wasn't until like high school and I'm gonna be honest okay this is a safe space (laughs) (laughs) um but like I even took like a like and I was writing more poems in high school and I think that's what sent me to the Borders bookstore poetry section and I got I picked Ooh, up Borders. a Bukowski book. <laughs> the big chunky one, What Matters Most is How Well You Walk Through the Fire. And I carried it with me like I think every day of my junior year. And I was like, oh my God, you can do this in poetry. You can like talk can is am I allowed to swear? Oh yeah, okay. swear, please. <laughs> you can like say fuck and shit and bitch and poems. You could talk about pee. You could talk about you could talk about like weird, like dark, not pretty things. Um, and obviously, like, you know, as I got older, I was like, oh, that man was a monster. But he kind of if that was like the first time I was like, oh, poetry doesn't have to always do like the very like pretty or like very, I don't know, just like what, I feel like the way that poetry is taught in schools, maybe it's different now. I like, I want to believe that, but uh, mm. I think that the way that it was taught when I was coming up in school was like, um, if I wasn't already like into reading and writing, like I wouldn't have been like, oh, I want to write poems. Um, mm. But yeah, so that, and then I went to college and um the Boston poetry community. I think post-COVID, it's different now. I don't know what's happening, but um, it, like, was very, very alive. And, like, I would go to the Cantab every Wednesday night and, like, you know, like, muster up the courage to read on the open mic and then, like, just became a part of that community. 
Um, and I actually, me and um, Q are like friends through like the merging of our like local communities, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, I think like from there, like everything else I've done since with poetry, um, yeah, like it wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for like the slam community, which people like to hate on, but it's a very important mm. community and I'm really thankful for it. Yeah. Super I, important. Oh yeah. 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 It's fully, it's fully how I'm here with mm-hmm. you two right yeah. now. Yeah. I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't come to poetry through, through, you know, the slam community, but I've been able to, I guess, be like adjacent to the slam community. I think that was the only community that I really knew while I was writing my own poetry, though I mm. wasn't really a part of the slam community, if that makes any sense. I like asking this question because I'm always so interested in how poetry comes into people's lives. And and then also, if it weren't for poetry, we would not be in this space together. I wouldn't mm-hmm. know Jess. Um, I wouldn't know Q. Uh, yeah. I mean, I might have known Jess, perhaps, mm-hmm. because I'm friends with Lexi. But the reason why Lexi even really became my friend was because I gave her my website and was like, here, you can read my poems. And A powerful move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we hung out and we spent like almost like two straight days with each other, basically. It was just like boom, boom. Yeah, like time 40, isn't real with Lexi. Dang. It's amazing. 48 hours. <laughs> And we were like writing in her basement with her cats and it was just like so beautiful. And I had yet to have a friendship like that. Uh, And it just prepared me later for the friendships that I would make in, you know, in New York and and beyond that. So anyway, poetry is just like the, what is that word? The great bread. The great <laughs> poetry yes. is the great bread. I love that. Everything is bread. Everything is bread. So the bread of life. Yes. Yes. Pray tell. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was such an earnest and great start. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. one thing I do want to do on this podcast is. Jess, will you pull a tarot card for us? Maybe a few. You are a tarot queen. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Also, take your time and yeah, whatever you need to do. Um, I love tarot. This is, I'm, I have to shuffle. Mm-hmm. So this is my, if I was a musician, this would be like my banter. But mm. it's also true. Um, I love tarot. Because it's like being able to touch a poem. Mm, I like that. And like it's alive. Right. And I think that uh, if anyone is a poet, they can also pick up tarot. So maybe this is a sign from the universe for anyone listening. (laughs) You know, if you've been like eyeballing a tarot deck. Yeah, I, I bought that tarot deck, I want to say, about a year ago. Here in Portsmouth, there's this little shop called Deadwicks, and it's so cute. There are crystals and lots of tarot cards and incense, and 
you know, little skulls, all sorts of like stuff. Like it's, it's amazing. And I did not have a tarot deck and I wanted one. And I've heard really your, your first tarot deck, I think is supposed to be gifted to you, mm, but I, I hear that too, but I also feel like no rules. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I had just gotten broken up with, so I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take matters to my mm. own hands. Your deck chose you. That counts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The deck was ready for me. And it's still I, a gift. Exactly. Yeah. A gift to myself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. These are very beautiful cards. Um, so tell us what I just pulled three, and then I think I was like, no more room on the table. Um, <laughs> the Ace of Wands, the Sun, and the Star. So any of the Ace cards, to me, are like the Hand of God cards. Because, I mean, like, even just visually right away, like, you see, like, a cloud in the sky with, like, a hand with, like, rays coming out of the hand. Um And so whenever you get an ace card, whether it's like the ace of wands, ace of cups, ace of swords, ace of pentacles, it means that there's something out of your control that is like coming to you. You're doing or you've done the things that are in your control that you can do. And so like something like a gift is coming for you. Um, And it could be like in the form of good news. It could be, it depends on the suit. So wands is like fire energy. It's like very generative. It's very like, um, to me, it's like between like point A and point C. Um, It's like, there's like movement. Like you obviously can't touch fire, but you can like feel its warmth around you. It like lights itself under your ass. Mm. Um, And so when I see ace of wands, um, especially like there's a river underneath it so that indicates like movement forward like a flow um there's like the castle in the background so like oh this is also the rider weight like illustrations I'm looking at um and so to me that says like okay like you have your place to be grounded and feel at home like you have your safe space to return to but like now you're in this field and there's a river and there's like a mountain range in the distance and like you're going to be given like what you need to kind of to go there Um, and we're creatives so I'm thinking in the context of like an idea Mm -hmm. I guess Um, Mm -hmm. something like maybe all of us the three of us are like trying to move forward or like we're waiting for like some sort of breakthrough um, like with something we're working on and like I think this card says that it's inevitable it's coming Um, Especially because, like, if you look at the... I like to look at the time of day on the cards, too. Um, And so the the ace cards, they always have, like, an overcast day. And so it's, like, a reminder that, like, when you least expect it, like, you know, like, don't just, like, drag your feet and look at your shoes on those days. Mm -hmm. Because, like, something... Like, you want... You're only delaying, like, something that you could be noticing. Um, And, like, also ace cards, if you're, like, reading predictively, um, could be, like, something coming in, like, one day, one week, one month. Um, Could be one year, depending on, like, the context of, like, what you're wondering about. Um, But usually ace cards is, like, oh, this is, like, soon. Um, So that's cool. That's a really cool card to get. And especially followed by the sun. The sun is, like, 
the best card to get. Um, okay. Okay. And the deck, because they're really like, isn't a downside to this card, in my opinion. I mean, I guess it always depends on the context, but um, this kind of, the sun card, like, is, um, it talks about, like, uh, like, there's a baby on a horse, triumphantly, like, waving a flag, <laughs> there's sunflowers, um, and um, it comes after the death card, which also has like a white horse and like a skeleton on there. And it's also interesting when you're reading to think about the cards that come before um, and like what they'll tell you about the current card you're looking at. And so um, the sun card, like, you know, comes like when you have a new beginning, which like after the ace of wands is like, oh, okay, like we are going to have like a breakthrough and like He's like over the wall, like he broke through the wall. So like that's coming. Um, mm. And also um, the season of the card obviously is like summer. So if you're like reading predictively, you could think like, oh, like the sun, Leo, Leo season, the summertime. Oh, um, okay. And also sometimes people like when they see the sun card, they're like, oh, like a baby is coming. But like, it could be like, just like a new, like anything new, like anything that's in like the early stages, mm. um, there's going to be like an exciting, like energy um, coming. The star was is the third card. Um, and I like that next to the sun because it's like also a like triumphant energy, but, uh, or a triumphant card, but like it has like a different energy. So this like, during the day, like the, the, cause the sun card obviously is like during the day. Um, sometimes like by the time night falls, we're like, wait, actually, can I do this? Like, is this going to happen for me? Like we have our doubts, but the star card reminds you that like, um, like even in the silence, like water is still flowing and like makes me think of like the water, in the first card, the Ace of Wands, it like flows all the way through into the last card, the star. Um, but this time, like she's helping the water flow. Um, she's like, you know, also the star is the Aquarius cards, like the water carriers, mm. the water bearers. And so she's like feeding the water, but also feeding the earth or not feeding, but like watering. Um, <laughs> And, like, is a part of her environment, like, almost seamlessly because she's, like, naked. Um, and, like, it's dark and it's night, but there are all these stars. Um, and, like, the sun is replaced with, like, a big star and then surrounded by smaller stars. So, um, and the mountains are back from the first card. There's almost, like, a linear, there's, like, a path. Um, mm -hmm. And then, like, it's funny, like, we ride it with this, like, new childlike wonder energy, whatever, on the horse. So there's, like... This, there's this momentum like that um, we're gonna get some assistance like the way that the child has the horse and then with the star it's saying like okay well even when like the assistance falls away like even when it's just you like you can do it um, yeah I don't know, it's really beautiful um, and there's also a bird um, on the tree in the background and to me when I see birds in tarot um, in the imagery, like my personal reading of it is like um, good news, especially like if you read like the coffee cups um, of like 
or tea leaves, um, when they see birds like around the rim, Mm -hmm. they say like, oh, good news is coming to your house. Um, and so like, we, you know, we're talking about good news with the ace of wands. Um, well, good news, like it comes back in the star at the end. Um, yeah, I don't know. I could go on and on, but it's like, it's really (laughs) beautiful, like how connected and even just like the parallel of like the baby in the middle is naked. And so is, the like Aquarian, the figure in the in the last card, um, so it's like you're a- you're going to be able to bring this like childlike wonder, like this newness, like further along, like in the journey of mm-hmm. like whatever you're creating or like whatever endeavor you have going on. Um, and the star card is also a card about like healing. Um, oh, I like that. Yeah, it's like that. it's there's so many like. Yeah, if you would just, like, Google the cards, um, even more things will come through. But mm-hmm. I guess I'll stop there. I've been talking for a long time. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you. That was really insightful. Q, you look like you have something you want to say about that I, reading. You know, you talked about um, tarot being, like, a poem that you can touch. And I feel very much like it's a poem when you touch it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. I feel very, like, enveloped in the story that you've brought to our table. Yeah, I hope it comes true for all of us. Hey, me too. Yeah. I mean, especially the healing part. I mm-hmm. think like when you when you mentioned healing, I was like, please, like I need that mm-hmm. in my life always. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um and yeah, I poetry has been healing to me in a lot of ways. And like thinking about the tarot cards as a poem that you can touch, like it's also like a a healing that can be touched or that, that feels, um, within reach, um, tangible in some way. So thank you so much just yeah. for that lovely, lovely reading. Um, and we're going to take a short break. Cool. Thanks for listening to part one of this episode with Jess and Q stay tuned for part two, where we will delve even deeper into poems and ourselves. This has been Bread and Poetry Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Bread and Poetry Podcast and Twitter at Bread Poetry Pod. Please rate, review, and subscribe to keep this thing kicking. This podcast is sponsored by the Portsmouth Poet Laureate Program. Follow them on Instagram at PPLPNH. Please consider making a donation at pplp.org donate to help fund this volunteer-run nonprofit and its mission to further build community through poetry. Cover art for this podcast is by Najee Brown, and theme music is by Studias. Stay tuned for more episodes of Bread and Poetry, because truly, who doesn't love bread? And who doesn't love poetry? Until then, my dear ones. excited and also providing some like kind of peripheral asmr content oh yeah 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 do it go ahead i hate asmr oh what those videos when people like eating pickles well i don't want i don't want the eating stuff or like like scratching things up to the that's no no gosh I kind of like the noise when of people meal prepping, like opening mm. the containers oh, yeah. and things like oh, that. The yeah. salad shaking.